0: Given the information that we've had to review uh, as a committee, uh, I think Mr. Meadows has significant reason to be concerned about uh, his activities. And when we look at the real results of this investigation, uh, it, it is not really, uh, uh, the foundation is not based on a legislative purpose.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Muckrake Podcast. I'm Jared Yates Sexton, here with Nick Halseman. Uh, Thank you for joining us. Uh, this is an important episode. We have to talk about uh, one of the most important stories to come out in a long, long time, put it into the context that only the Muckrake Podcast can. Nick, do you, want, do you want to tell the people what that subject is?
0: Yes, it's uh, two words for you, Jared. Nancy Reagan. <laughs> <And we're>, we... <laughs>
1: Yeah, so what, what's great about this is we're getting ready to literally talk about an attempted coup of the United States of America and the plot that is that has come into full focus. The thing that we have dedicated the, the past few years of our lives, uh, chronicling, investigating, talking about, examining, picking apart. And before we get ready to record, Nick is just like, we have to talk about the fact that Twitter <laughs> was obsessed this weekend with the fact that Nancy Reagan... Was apparently known around Hollywood for uh, a certain sexual act.
0: Yeah, for her throat game, which uh, I oh. had never heard of that phrase before until uh, Twitter, until they started saying that. It was amazing. I had to look it up and everything. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, listen, we don't have to spend more than about a minute on this, but certainly I was looking forward to it all weekend long <laughs> to sit down here and and so. Now, here's the funny thing: was they even spelled her name wrong? R e g a n was what was trending for a little while there. But uh, just the origin of it was, by the way, that some other woman, a uh, conservative writer or something, tried to say, "Here is Madonna's sister." What's ben, that?
1: Shapiro, ben
0: Shapiro's sister. Oh, that's who that is. He's yeah. got a, he's got a, he's got spawn, or he's got a, he's got siblings. People with, yeah, yikes. they
1: and they, they are both deep, deep, deep in that right wing grift. Wow,
0: wow. Well, anyway, he, 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 there's a picture of Madonna at '63 and Nancy Reagan at '63, and someone's like, "Well, be like Nancy," and yeah. then boof, they, uh, they, they drop the, 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 the hammer here that she was a. Uh, a quite promiscuous, I suppose, on the NGM lot back when she was Nancy Davis, which uh, who knew? Love it. Well,
1: I and, and listen, I, I don't care who's promiscuous and isn't promiscuous. I, I, I think what's telling here, which is something that we've talked about a little bit in the past, which is – the myth of Ronald Reagan and the reality of Ronald Reagan are two completely different things. This this entire idea that has been held up, that uh, Ronald Reagan was fiscally conservative, that he was for small government, that he was like this Christian moral uh, vanguard. And, and it turns out, in fact, that he was all about running deficits. He was all about huge government uh, he was actually into the occult not all that Christian and of course him and Nancy had interesting past back back in Hollywood I, I I think it's really amazing every now and then when these things break out and yet the right-wing mythology of Ronald Reagan still persists
0: sure I mean, remember this wasn't Ronnie's first wife right he was it, it was the second wife for him I, I think maybe for her too if, if I'm not mistaken right uh, this they were not uh, they, they didn't make their first uh, marriages work. But uh, it certainly adds a little bit more context to that uh, the notion that Nancy was in, was in charge <laughs> of what was going on for many reasons and many reasons of control. So, hey, good for her.
1: Well, and, and it just goes back to everything that we've talked about, which is just that – there is a right-wing hypocrisy. And the only thing that actually matters isn't principles. It's not actually fiscal conservatism, social conservatism. They're not actually pro-life. They're, they're none of these things. What they are are, are are is a body that is dedicated to the pursuit of power. And Reagan uh, hit it really, really well behind a veneer, a uh, star-spangled eagle flying across the, the sky uh, in the Statue of Liberty veneer. But, you know, once you get to 2016 and to 2020, of course, you have Donald Trump, who was uh, not as good at upholding the veneer of, of you know, right wing conservatism as much as Ronald Reagan was. Uh, but they loved him just as much because all they cared about was power. So much so, in fact, that they were trying to carry out a full scale. And it turns out, and we'll talk more about this in a second, a military involved Coup of the United States of America in order to keep this absolute charlatan embarrassment and buffoon in power because it doesn't matter about the reality. It matters about power and profit.
0: Well, this is why you're the best podcast partner in the business because you saved me from, you know, th- you, uh, no one else in the world could possibly go from that subject so beautifully and so, um, I, you know, I'm profoundly panicking. to
1: I, <laughs> where we're I'm at now. Panicking. I gotta tell you, I'm sitting here trying to get the wheels going, the gears going, how we were yeah. possibly gonna move from from Nancy Ring into this. But well, we got there.
0: You, we got well, there. yeah, because you know, I would have sullied myself with all sorts of lurid uh, details of of all that stuff, morning, you know, morning wood in America. But we don't have to go there anymore. We're gonna we're gonna go to uh, Mark Meadows and and the various serious uh, issues we have. So let's put that away because uh, you know it's always good to laugh a little bit and loosen you up. Before you have to put the hammer down and really discuss the things that are important.
1: Yeah, I I, I tried real hard to get us there. I knew it was coming, uh, you know, and we we had to we had to figure out some some bridge. Uh, but unfortunately, this is something that we've been uh, talking about for a while. We've been detailing, we've had our own theories about what January sixth, twenty twenty one was, what the intentions were there. Um, it wasn't hard to discern and predict exactly what was happening because these people are not particularly, um, creative. They're not particularly innovative, uh, competent. Thank God they're Mm -hmm. not competent. And we'll talk about how that lack of competency, uh, might've actually saved the Republic of the United States of America here in a minute. But as these details are coming to light, the the things that we suspected in our analysis and our reporting, uh, it seems that they were right. They were correct. Uh, there was an actual coup. And we'll talk about the the specifics of it. But do you want to go ahead and, and lay out some of the fundamentals of the story, what we have learned, where we're at, and then we'll take it from there?
0: Well, the one thing that was the headline across the last, you know, several days is this PowerPoint presentation that was attached to an email sent to Mark Meadows, which – Can I yeah.
1: – I got to say, and, and, and listen, I, I, I want people at home to know this. How to do we a PowerPoint w- properly? <laughs> we will admit when we are wrong. I am all about that. And I'll tell you, when we started talking about the January 6th committee, I said, I'm glad that they're having it. But I thought that it was largely going to be uh, a perfunctory uh, sort of a, a, a thing that they were so going to go through it. with motions. And I think that for the most part, they have. But that does not mean that in the case of what we're dealing with today, what we're talking about, they uncovered some stuff. Right. Simply by going out there, subpoenaing people, asking them to testify, uh, we have now discovered more and more, which has illuminated. So I, I will eat crow on that. This has had... This has had consequences. There have been things that have been brought to light because of this right. committee. I just want to put that out there.
0: But, but I think what you were feeling was the notion of like specific people going down. Well, know, rightfully that still
1: so. remains to be seen.
0: Right. Well, so, you know, because Bannon is criminal contempt, and so is Meadows, but Bannon has now been able to delay this for months and months and months. And it looks like if Meadows can get in that same track there, he'll be able to go even beyond that. And so, you know, then the midterms come and the Republicans take over and just destroy the entire, you know, uh, investigation. So, but the, the fail, not the fail safe, but the, the way that they can at least mitigate this to some degree is by releasing footage or, or stuff that they've discovered through all these things that they're going to get. And that's something. And so, obviously, the the, the big one was this this PowerPoint presentation, which laid out very clearly how they were going to pull off the entire coup. And it puts together most of the pieces that we were sort of missing, I think, uh, while this was unfolding in real time. And I I would like to say, though, this this was sent to him. There's no evidence that he even opened it or looked at it or disseminated it much at all, although there is apparently reporting that this was shown to members of Congress. So you know somebody was reacting to it and seeing it, but it's not necessarily clear that Meadows was involved with it directly, which is probably why he was dumb enough to just turn it over to the investigative committee anyway, so they would find it.
1: So this PowerPoint uh, that that Meadows had gotten hold of apparently made the rounds on Capitol Hill. It uh, was more or less seen by every staff member of of the Republican Party, basically every elected staff or, or staff office had taken a look at this and it originated supposedly by a guy named phil waldron who is a retired colonel um i'm I'm just gonna say that one more time uh this powerpoint (laughs) was circulated by a guy named phil waldron a retired colonel i'm just gonna let that Sit. Open it up. Let it marinate. Just let people sniff it. See see what it does. Sort of appreciate right. it.
0: I'm it, getting I'm getting Jack Ripper uh, <laughs> in, images in my head uh, from uh, from Doctor Strangelove. Uh, <laughs> like it, it,
1: for a good reason. Um, and this uh, Waldron also, it has now come out, had spoke with Mark Meadows, the uh, chief of staff in the White House to the president of the United States of America, uh, eight to 10 times. I assume it was pleasantries. I assume it was, you know, polite conversation. How are you and yours? How's your golf game? Any ideas on how to carry out a coup in the United States of America? You know, what what have you been up to? I, I assume these are just Kind check-ins, those types of things.
0: Yeah, hey, how's it going? What did you do last weekend kind of stuff, yeah. But interestingly enough about the uh, one detail that caught my eye was that the dates are written in European form, which Mm. is either European or like Russia or it's military. Did you know that the military write it – month, date, month, day, year instead of what we do? Wait, wait, the other way around, sorry. (laughs) Day, month, year. Um, I've
1: been looking at a lot. So working on the new book, I've been looking at a lot of uh, military memoranda so like I've been having to like do that mental backwards sort of moving things around when I'm doing like my work sided. So yeah, unfortunately I've had to I've had to wrap my head around that lately. Yeah.
0: So that's a pretty big tell. And I think it's worthy of saying it was written by someone in the military. Uh, maybe not Phil, but Phil's buddy somebody there who wrote that thing out and uh, and, and when when they were creating the PowerPoint.
1: And the name of this memorandum was Election Fraud, Foreign Interference and Options for 6 January, which, of course, uh, a 38 page document that at one point got whittled down to 36 pages. And the entire idea behind this was to facilitate the idea that the election of 2020 had been infiltrated by a foreign actor or foreign actors. In particular, in this case, uh, the idea was to claim that the Chinese had been able to infiltrate voting systems, which those of you who listen regularly have heard us talk about the fact that during the the Arizona audit, a lot of these dum-dums out in Arizona were talking about Fake ballots having bamboo fibers or being shipped in from China. Um, This was the weaponization of xenophobic, racist conspiracy theories. And for anybody who pays attention to fascist conspiracy theories, authoritarian conspiracy theories, they all work the exact same which is that there is an outside influence, a foreign actor or enemy who will get involved in internal affairs by the use of traitors, the Democratic Party, and will eventually make use of populations of color in order to manipulate them and turn them into a, quote unquote, street army. In this case, it is that idea personified step by step by step for the Republican Party to use this recycled fascist conspiracy theory in order to overturn the election of 2020.
0: I mean, even if you want to say it's less, less "quote unquote" racist or nefarious than that, it's a lot easier to say. A lot easier to say. Well, these satellites that are controlled by Italy that affected our ballots in America. You can't. There's how, how do you how do you confirm that or not? Right? That kind of vague notion of something from another country makes it seem a plausible if you're already a xenophobe, and then b, you know, how do we ever know if that's really true or not? And that's that's really the, all they needed. They all they wanted. Well, and and
1: I've been I've been man i have to tell you doing the research i'm doing right now in this present moment it messes my shit up nick because i have to, i have to tell you exactly what they would do if this would have worked out if they were able to steal the presidency in in january of 2021 they would have manufactured the evidence it would have happened almost immediately. You would have had some sort of a, an uncovery. somebody somewhere. And a large part of what we want to talk about today is about finding people who are willing to do this stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Somebody down the line who's willing to manufacture this, some bureaucrat, which is what Mark Meadows is. And we'll talk about his motivations and why he played a role in this. But you will find somebody who thinks it's for the greater good to manufacture evidence of such a threat. So if they would have won, if they would have kept control of the Department of Justice, the FBI, the CIA, the NSA, they would have figured out some way or another in order to go ahead and legitimize what they were trying to do in January. So. So in this case, they would have done it and then they would have made up the legitimization of why they did it, which would have come somewhere down the road after they were able to actually carry it out.
0: Oh, oh, by the way, all this talk of January reminds us, reminds me that it's December right now and as we're yep. heading into the holiday season we have a live show on Thursday we have to tell everybody about on our Patreon side because those are always a rollicking good time. Again, I have to to put a screeching halt to this very serious stuff that makes everything really hard to deal with. Uh, To to at least let everybody know that, yes, we're going to be having, another again, a live show. Jared, tell everybody what time the live show is because I don't remember. So
1: so that's going to be this Thursday, December 16th at 7 p.m. Eastern. And I'm glad you brought this up because – this is serious shit mm-hmm. like this is demoralizing and and really, really frightening to understand that there was an attempted coup in the United States of America, which makes it all the much more important for a few things. We have to recognize that this happened, right, that, mm-hmm. that there was an actual attempt like it's not. It's not your imagination playing games with you. It's not paranoia. It's not alarmist. Like, there actually was an attempt to overthrow the government of the United States of America. But on top of that, we have to celebrate the fact that it failed, that it didn't go through, and we have to strengthen our bonds to each other. We have to engage in solidarity and celebration. That way, whenever these fuckers try it again, we can have energy and faith in one another to fight it back. So absolutely, it's important. And that is again, Thursday, December 16th at 7 p.m. Eastern. It is the Monk Rake podcast holiday party, live taping of the Weekender. And, And by the way, to go ahead and let people know there's stuff to look forward to, Nick, who has constantly said he thinks it's disgusting to dip French fries into a milkshake Is going to try it and he's going to love it And I,
0: I invite you to be there Right because I'm constantly saying that but nonetheless um, You know just to, just to Get back to this conversation uh, I do feel like there, And we need to dive into this more because there's a lot Of details to go through but part of me starts To wonder by the time we get Through any of this reactive thing Stuff that happened a year ago and more Almost two years ago um, Right no it'll be a year It'll be a year what is time what is time? January 6 2020. It is now, right? It is now, no, it's sorry, 2021. What is time? Anyway, um... I'll mark it down But no less um, So but my fear is Is that by the time We get through all this stuff In, in reacting to the past And what's happened a year ago Like we're not going to be Getting the things done That we need to To stop the local Election officials From being taken over By Trump loyalists And then completely affecting Every other election Going forward Never to be had Control of again uh, That makes me wondering Like like I know we kind of Want to rehash And go through And you know Figure out what happened In the past But it just makes me Worried that we're going To delay all this stuff And then not get The, the proper action done that we needed to get done.
1: Yeah, we have to walk and chew gum at the same time. I mean, holy hell. In, in this case, I, you know, in order to look forward, I think you have to look back. And in this case, I think in order to really marshal the energy and the momentum necessary to stop this in the future, um, we can't simply believe, oh, there was some bad stuff that happened, but now it's over, which is, you know politically to to go along with like joe joe biden becoming president and the biden administration coming into power you saw it as well as i did the 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 message of the inauguration and all of the 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 rhetoric around it was we've turned the page things are back to normal we're going to figure this out of course there was the whole like uh, idea that we were going to reach across the aisle and figure something out with the Republicans, right? Well, that was necessary in order for a president to come into power, but it doesn't make it true. Things are not fine. Things are not going to be fine unless we marshal some sort of an understanding of what happened and mm-hmm. where this is coming. Because, I mean, I, I, I'm i sorry, but this was a car that we barely jumped out of the way of and the car is circling around the block and it's gaining <laughs> power and yeah. speed. And in this case, like, listen, it's not just that Meadows had this PowerPoint. It's that Meadows also had, and and of course, he's not the only one. He might have been the point person within the Trump administration. But there was a larger multifaceted ideal here, right? And and the way that this plan would have worked out, On one hand, there was the idea to call it a national emergency, which uh, Trump would ask Congress to to figure out and and you know let let the chips fall where they may. There was another idea that uh, he said that he quote unquote loved, which was the idea of alternate electors being sent, in which would be a constitutional crisis if it got carried out. Of course, they tried to get Mike Pence to overstep his boundaries as vice president. He said no. Which hats off to you, Mike Pence. Uh, and then on top of it, real patriot. It's, it's now been come it's now come out that there was a belief that while Meadows is talking to all of these extremists, all of these paramilitary groups, all of these insurrectionists, coup plotters, all of that, which that we have to get into that a little bit more too, but there was a belief that the National Guard was on standby in order to protect those people against Antifa and other people, they legitimately thought that at January 6th it wasn't just going to be insurrectionists, it wasn't just going to be coup attempters, it was also going to be a left-wing protest movement, at which point they expected there to be violence, and if there wasn't going to be violence, they would start violence. And they would bring in the National Guard and they would have the pretext for a larger national emergency narrative. They were creating a crisis in order to take advantage of it. And that's just becoming more and more clear that there was a military element Possibly an intelligence element, possibly a Department of Justice element, you name it, it's all up and down the line. The entire apparatus of the Trump administration and parts of the military were interested in carrying out a larger operation here.
0: Well, here's how I see it. I'm kinda, I guess I'm curious to see if you agree, but this whole thing, the whole coup, the whole, all this plotting revolved around delaying the certification of the votes on January 6th. It seems to me that if they if they felt like they if they could have done that even if it was like 24 hours, that would have given them the you know the legitimacy to then enact all of these different things and take control over the count. So they were of course really looking forward to yes if Antipas showed up and then the, you know there's songs about the national guard trying to you know quell uh, you know people protesting so they, they i'm clearly they were hoping to have even a bigger uh, you know melee go on that they could then enforce whatever martial law or uh, declare you know national emergency uh, but that's what it seems like to me is that this all centered around we have to figure out some way because maybe then in their adult minds you know because January 6th came and went, now the Constitution gets really murky because we didn't follow it exactly the way it says we did. We now have a lot more leeway, and um, they couldn't quite get it done. By the way, I don't know about you, but I was really surprised on January 6th that after they got the people out of the Capitol, they resumed the count that night. I was very surprised they did that. Maybe it was because of this notion that they they realized, too, if we let them have any little uh, wavering of what the Constitution exactly lays out, then we're in trouble. But um, that's what that seems me to what what their whole goal was is to somehow get this count kind of delayed at least another day so i i think when looking at
1: what happened here and again this goes back to what i said at the beginning of the podcast which is just how colossally like incompetent the trump people were right like and and continue to be i assume they they haven't solved their incompetence uh, <laughs> post-presidency you have a lot of people who were chasing a lot of different ideas in a lot of different directions. And this has to do with something that we've been chronicling a lot lately, which is the Republican Party, it may not be a big tent, but there are a bunch of crazy assholes in that tent. You know what I mean? And they all have different ideas, and they're all sort of buzzing and bouncing off of each other. There's so many different groups Underneath that very, very sm- small tent, some of them believe, I don't know, that China tried to steal the election. Others believe there's a satanic cabal, you know, like they're, they're, they're trying to navigate all of these things at the same time. They're not good at communicating. They're not good at planning or plotting. In this case, at the top of it, Donald Trump. We've talked about this. You have not just an incompetent guy, but also a coward and, and more or less an organized crime mafioso right? He never wanted to go on the record and say the thing that would get him arrested if it got found out. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. He's very, very careful about that. He's always interested in the self-interest. For a coup to be carried out, you have to basically get in a room and say, we're carrying out a a coup. You know what I mean? You have to say... This is what we're doing. Meanwhile, Trump, who is part grifter, part in, in, in institutional fascist, it's in him, right? He is all these people who are coming in and they're like, hey, boss, I think we're going to carry out a coup. And he's like, that's great. I love it. You know, have fun with that. Good luck with it. He never put his entire foot in it. He was more than happy, more or less, to kick the can down the road so all of his subordinates fighting amongst each other would try and carry something out. So what do you get at the Capitol on January 6th? You get an insane hodgepodge of multiple people carrying out multiple operations towards different ends with the same idea. The problem here is that it – there's no other way to say it. It was a bumblefuck coup. Is what it was. It was. It was basically a bunch of people trying to do the same thing in different ways, getting in in each other's way. And meanwhile, Trump was off to the side saying, "I don't want to be involved in this, but I'll reap the rewards." So, what would have happened? If the plan would have come to fruition, what if there had been a giant riot uh, between the left and the right outside? What if Mike Pence had gone ahead uh, with what he was given? What if you had other members of the administration who would have said, yeah, I'll go along with that, or people in Georgia who would have went along with that? Uh, The consequences of any of those things, just like one of those dominoes falling in a different place, I mean, we could be living in a completely different country right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, by the way, what what you're describing is exactly true in terms of so th- they were all different plans. And they just sort of all were getting mixed up in the same yep. cauldron. Uh, the the most important plan in my mind simply was Pence saying these six states don't uh, don't agree yep. on who with, what the vote was, and so I can't accept them. And then suddenly that means that no one has 270 votes, and that triggers the Fourteenth Amendment, where you know the the, uh, the representatives get to vote for the president. That was the coup in my mind. That was the big one. Yep. Now obviously the, the what to get the grist to get the momentum behind them to allow him to do that, they wanted this insurrection. Like that was. So I guess we could argue they worked hand in hand, even though they were sort of separate fingers of other things. And then the worst part about this is that when you say carrying out a coup and you put that in quotes, that just means saving the republic to a lot of people in this country. Yep. Yep. And that was the other part of the thing where the first coup never works. Well, the second coup is going to have a lot easier time because most of the people in the country that are on that side anyway don't don't hear – of coup. Of course it wasn't a coup. It was saving the republic. That's what we have to do. And we have to do like it again when it happens. That's where we're at now. And this is how you slowly it's basically a democratic coup if you think about it.
1: Yeah. And and that's the damnedest thing here. Because the entire point, again, of the Trump presidency and, and him becoming president and what his presidency was, is it was a whole lot of people standing back and going, what in the hell is Trump?" Do- oh. Oh, it worked. Oh, 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 okay. I I thought life and reality was one thing. It turns out the entire time I was under false
0: pretenses. Like you can get away with that. You can do those things. By the way, I think that you described the reaction that people had with JFK. Who, oh, yeah. Who might have I, even I, been I, slightly even in on it. And they're like, whoa, they actually pulled that off? Like I have a feeling that happened across some of these places.
1: But I. But that's the nature of
0: of reality. And the thing that
1: the thing that really sticks in my crawl. And I've never said sticks in my crawl. I've always wanted to say it out loud. I'm really happy I got the opportunity. Wait,
0: but say it again? Sticks in my crawl. In your the crawl. The thing that really
1: gets I to I, me. That's I
0: something like crawl, like C R A W.
1: Look that up as I'm as All I'm right. finishing this thought. The thing that really bothers me when people are dealing with this situation is that they look at it in a vacuum, do you have the official word on that? By the way,
0: yeah, it's like you know, you get something stuck in your in one's craw, crawl, c r a w, kind of like you, you got like a you know a thorn in your paw. Like it's, it's my
1: family. It's, my family has always said craw
0: with the i I'm sorry, my family's always said crawl. Yes, that's interesting. Interesting. F- I love okay. uh, you know the indigenous. No, the American, what's the the, the,
1: the, the American English is uh, <laughs> it's a wonder of, of something. So. You know, what What has bothered me about people's reaction to this is on one hand, there's like a lot of people who are like, well, it wasn't a coup. It was, you know, it was just it was a lot of LARPing. It was a lot of people pretending to be one thing. And that's partly true. There were a lot of people at the Capitol who undoubtedly never thought that they were going to be taking part in a coup. And the next thing they know, they're, you know, they're in The Capitol looking around and they're like, how about this? There were a lot of grifters there. Absolutely. But there were people there who had decided that they wanted to use this to either assassinate public officials or carry out a coup. What ends up happening is the narrative after January 6th, this idea that, oh, it was a bunch of tourists. Then all of a sudden you start saying, no, it was a it was a false flag operation. It was actually the left. Then all of a sudden you start saying, no, it was a sting. It was a patriot purge, which is, of course, what uh, not just Alex Jones, but now Tucker Carlson are pushing. When you start saying that, all of a sudden in the minds of people who maybe in the past wouldn't have been carrying out a coup or wouldn't have gone that far, they start thinking, man, this government's out of control. This situation is really, really problematic. Somebody needs to step in and make something happen. And I want to point out real fast, and and I want to talk about Mark Meadows. I want to talk about who Mark Meadows, who becomes the chief of staff for Donald Trump, who he is. And Mark Meadows, before he gets into politics, do you know how he made his money, by the way? Besides undoubtedly family connections.
0: Oh, oh, I had no idea we were going to go before the Freedom Caucus and get into, the, into his origin story. I'm excited. No, please tell me. Mark Meadows uh, opened a restaurant.
1: And the moment that that restaurant made him any money, he immediately sold it because, obviously, he didn't care about cooking, feeding people, being a restaurateur. He cared about making money and using it because that's that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about a certain breed of people who only care about material wealth and power. Immediately, he becomes a real estate investor. And as he's developing real estate and all of this, which is where all of these grifters end up – I mean, it's not a coincidence that – The president that he's serving was a real estate grifter, right? It's just about taking taking money and rolling it around. So all of a sudden he starts selling a bunch of land to a bunch of young earth Christians to have their own little compound, their own little whatever. He uses that money to then get involved in the Freedom Caucus. He's a business person who wanted to go in and use the grift of conspiracy theories to... Enrich himself, roll back regulation, roll back federal oversight of people like himself. Next thing you know, like a lot of these people who end up there on January 6th, he ends up in the White House overlooking a coup attempt. (laughs) There is a large trajectory of being like, ah, this this is for materialism. This is just for what I need, what I want for my pocketbook. I'm not really an ideologue. And the next thing you know, those interests take you down a road. And you start making choices that have giant historical, political, and social import. That's how these things happen.
0: Well, I guess this is um, our chance to – our every episode we should have a segment where we stress that the congressmen and women should not be allowed to invest no. in anything in the stock market while they're – in office uh, as well, which, by the way, just as a parenthetical, I have no doubt that it's equal numbers of Democrats and Republicans who violate this and use insider trading uh, up the wazoo. But um, nonetheless, let's get back to, to Mark Meadows. Yes, it's you know you buy your way in, right? This is how you, this is the process now. This, but, but because by the way, cr- creating a restaurant, having it be successful, selling, getting into real estate, this is the American dream, man. Up right. until the part about, you know, denying where Obama was born, you know, this is – he's living the American dream. And, and I don't know how many people would have said, oh, what's the, what's the problem with what he did? So – but obviously when you – when this is your end goal, you're, you're, you've been planning this. He didn't just suddenly one day after in the middle of, uh, you know, selling some real estate, oh, I want to be a congressman. You know, I'm sure he had a 10-year plan. This whole thing was all laid out and how he wanted to do it. And this is the best way to – the easiest way to do it.
1: Yeah, and, and you got to think that in the past – People would be getting into politics because they felt driven and compelled to make the world better. That's not what Meadows was ever interested in. He recognized, and this goes along with the consensus in American political thinking. He recognized, like a lot of these grifters, like a lot of these assholes, well, you make a lot of money, then you buy your way into politics so you can make more money later. You need to go in and oh, yeah, change right. things so that you can make more money on the other side. And then on top of that, you get some sweet, sweet money because corporations, lobbying groups, all of those people, they're going to invite you onto boards. They're going to have you come out and lobby on their behalf. They'll fly you around the world. There's basically a wink and a nudge as you come in one side of the turnstile. As you go out the other, you're going to make unbelievable amounts of money. This is one of the reasons why our political process has become so screwed up is because people like Mark Meadows are in there. Mm -hmm. And again, while he's sitting there, you know, in North Carolina, uh, you know, probably flipping burgers or catfish or whatever the hell it was, like if you told him one day you're going to be at the president of the United States of America's side trying to carry out a coup uh, it it probably it never even would have occurred to him, but it's that ongoing corruption of the soul, to borrow a phrase, right? It's you 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 end up in there, and it's not even like he's dealing with a good person. He's not even he doesn't think Donald Trump is a you know a Christ figure or a Messiah. He thinks, going back to what you said, that he's saving the republic. He somehow or another combines his own personal outcome and interest with the interest of the United States. And as a result, all laws are off.
0: Right. Well, you know, part of this, by the way, to me, not that he's a sympathetic character, but the the part of this is, okay. Trump has got all these crazies visiting him in the the Oval Office, which, by the way, there was a, you know, you used to hear how insulated presidents were and they were in their own bull bubbles, Right. But there's like a good reason for that because you shouldn't be able to call like, you know, your fourth cousin once removed and who happens to be the president and just start tell, talking to him on a cell phone. you know, uncon- uh, un- But uncon- Trump is lonely. He's Trump
1: is an exceedingly lonely broken person. I mean, we talked about this on the podcast too. He was talking to Sean Hannity every night for hours at a time after Sean, uh, Sean Hannity's show. Mm-hmm. He would watch the show to see him see Hannity talk about him and then talk to him on the phone. like he's a broken person who allowed in everybody from Mark Meadows, Sean Hannity, Lynn Wood, Who's a crazy person? I mean, one conspiracist after another, and he just continued to have these people move in and out because his own self-interest. You know, all he needed was
0: praise and worship. Right. Well, but half of their policies were created on Fox News, knowing yep. he was watching it. That's that was more, probably the more frightening than anything else. Lynn Wood was on Fox News. That's how he ends up in the White House, and fucking Bill Barr is the only yep. reason why he was there now. But the thing with with Meadows is possible. He, you know, all this shit's happening. There, he's telling him all the things. It's, it's crazy. It's insane. He goes, yeah, don't worry. I'll follow up on these things. And he did, you know, with maybe the guys of, well, I'll at least say I emailed the dude because President Trump told me and he's the commander in chief and whatever, uh, with maybe no ever no intention of necessarily anything happening or hoping that the people on the other end of this thing would realize how insane this is and it wouldn't happen. I mean, by the way, you know, they're, they're now raking him over the coals for using a private cell phone, which is an admission of guilt in some degree, because here's the thing. How does the January 6th committee know that he was using private communications? Well, guess what—the people he sent the other messages to yep. are turning those in, and so yep. they have the conversation, but just from the other side. And this is how we know that, like, he was—you know—violated the Presidential Records Act, which should, you know, again, should have been a, a major crime when you do that. But we've known, I think, that uh, you know, every administration has done this. I mean, I, going back to you know, Bush had emails. We want to talk about Hillary's emails. Uh, H.W. destroyed emails up the wazoo in the millions. That would have, uh, would have without question been a, a real problem for them. But nonetheless. So anyway, that's the real question here. Was Meadows just kind of being like, yeah, sure, don't worry about it. I'll follow up. And then all of a sudden, boom, that happened. Or, uh, you know, was he was he serious about this and hoping that they could kind of get it get this through? So knock on wood, in the next six
1: months, my guess, is you're going to see a major article that comes out that is probably going to be leaked by the January 6th commission. And what it will be is more or less a reconstruction of the communication network on January 6th. And by communication network, what I mean is that undoubtedly Meadows... And probably a few others, I assume Giuliani was involved in this at, at some given point. Uh, if, if I found out that Steve Bannon was part of this, I would not be shocked. And what you're going to find is it's going to link up with one of the things that we've heard in the past month or so, which is that a lot of the, the main characters in the January 6th coup attempt were carrying burner phones right, that they had all gotten disposable cell phones in order to communicate with people. We've already heard that they have said that they communicated with members of the Trump administration. I have to imagine at some point or another that we're going to find out that there was a, uh, a, a very, very concise web of contacts within all of this. And then it's a matter of whether or not we find out what was said, because text messages are probably going to be part of it. Because we know that a lot of these people are reaching out to Meadows as like the shit starts to hit the fan, and they're waiting on Meadows or Trump to say go, right? Mm-hmm. Which I don't think they did, because again, it's about passing the buck. It's about organized crime, not taking that upon yourself.
0: But if well, anyone really, can get, they're waiting for them to say stop. And if, yeah. if there's no stop, then that means go, basically, right?
1: Well, there's that's a, that's a completely <laughs> different way to look at it, but no less accurate. And so what we're probably going to find is that a lot of this was probably done through phone calls mm-hmm. that could only be traced if there was either a wiretap or, and this is the weirder aspect of it, that I I have to imagine we might miss this a little bit. We might swerve this on the road, almost like missing... Down here in Georgia, an armadillo in the middle of the highway, that the NSA hap- happened to capture some of these conversations, which would be its own messed up giant course of bullshit. It might just end up coming out. It might fizzle. It might be another one of these things that you look at and you're like, oh, my God, look how close we came to this giant uh, meltdown and coup. Uh, and I, I hope that we pay attention to it. But I, I have to imagine that a lot of this stuff is going to come to the surface uh, probably sooner than later.
0: Uh, well, obviously, that's that's the trajectory that the Democrats have to hope for because sooner – sorry, later is not happening. They're, they're going to be out of office uh, or out of control. But here is the –
1: But here is the concern. The concern, and and I just want to spend a second on this because I think it's important. I have my thoughts on it. I want to hear yours. Why do you think? that this isn't the headline in every newspaper. It's not the main segment on all the shows. This, the, All of these revelations that we're talking about are massive, historical, like the major, major revelations. And yet we live in a culture that isn't paying that close attention to them. People are still naysaying it. There's not a lot of eyes on this, not as many as there should be. We're not dealing with it the way we should. Why do you think that we are failing to... Not just talk about this, but grasp it and really deal with it.
0: Probably because a huge chunk of very valuable um, demographic of people who are consumers and buy things don't believe that it was a coup, mm-hmm. and so yeah. they don't want to, you know, lose business, the media by <laughs> releasing the stories that would then turn these people off from that those platforms and not they can't make their money. Uh, but but you know the, the the more specific answer to that is yeah there are a group of people that don't believe that was a coup, so that's one thing. Um, I think you could argue that the last four, the, the four years of Trump has just made it that way where the things that are so ridiculous and so, um, historical or should be treated historically are just now just, you know, another news bit in a, on a Friday, late Friday news dump.
1: Yeah, I think, I think in the media, it's a really ugly reflection. You know what I mean? Cause these are a lot of the people who are involved in this, like a Mark Meadows, right? A Mark Meadows before COVID probably was at a lot of uh, cocktail hours with some of the people who should be talking about this and covering it, right? And they, they basically would hoist a few drinks and they'd be like, you know what? You're on one side of the aisle. I'm on the other side of the aisle. doesn't mean we can't, you know. Have a, have a drink or two and laugh about things and share some gossip because that is the the sort of environment. And having to look at it and reckon with the fact that this guy tried to carry out a coup, the fact that so many people went along with it, that so many wealthy people went along with it, uh, it, it undoubtedly at this point, a lot of intelligence people went along with it. A lot of administration people went along with it. Uh, The fact that all of this was possible in the United States of America, I think, is a really twisted, ugly reflection that people don't want to look at. I think that's one of the reasons why. I I think the consumerist angle of it that you just brought up is interesting, which is if there was an attempted coup, are you going to go out and buy things? Are you going to go out and do things or are you going to batten down the hatches because there's a real imminent threat amongst you? And there is and that's probably how we should be treating it. That's not great for business.
0: Well, and there, then, there are certain businesses where it's pretty good Well, work. yeah,
1: you, you can buy silver, uh, you can buy uh, oxidizers, you can buy guns, you can buy bomb shelters. And then finally, I, I, I just want to say that I think the other side of this, why Americans aren't howling from the rooftops about this. So many of them are trapped in a mythological America where either this couldn't happen or... Or it was taken care of and now we have a democratic president and everything is totally fine and everything will be and I never have to worry about it again because neoliberalism has taught them that politics isn't really something that you need to pay attention to other than for entertainment. It's not a real thing that you have to negotiate or really, really – uh, you know imprint your will on or, or participate in So for a lot of people This is sort of a an interesting tidbit That they can bring up in passing But it's not really something to To reconcile it's not really something to think about or try and do something about
0: i mean perhaps you can argue that the you know our republic or our democracy over these years requires people who are alarmists and who will sound the alarm over everything and little thing uh, th- which keeps everybody else on their toes a little bit like so maybe you know that mindset doesn't overtake everybody in the country because remember even if, like when nixon the day Nixon left office, his approval rating was still 25. You know, there was still a bunch of people in this country who didn't think he did anything wrong. So um, maybe that's part of the process. We simply need, uh, you know, people like you who are going to sound that alarm as much as possible. Uh, we have it's balanced by people who think that you're insane and we shouldn't listen to you and then everybody in the middle, right? So we have this like interesting t- tug and pull and every so often the, the you know This side pulls a lot a little bit harder and it, people more people get pulled that way and then it's the other way But this isn't a game. This isn't like be- battle of network Hollywood stars, whatever this is uh, This is a the, the now the Republic is in balance and if you if they pull too hard the other way then everybody topples over that cliff and then we don't have it anymore. And, I, and you're right. There's a complacency that's built in uh, to our system over hundreds of years. We've never had it. By the way, what's, what's frustrating about that is we've never had so many people vote like we did in this last election. It, was ama- it should be a cause for rejoice. We finally are having the true democratic process and, 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 and um, you know, people uh, contributing that way. But then what's the reaction on the right? It's it gets like, worse. Right. So we can't have that you know the, the, instead of a moment where oh my god we're going to finally you know really get this going and everyone's going to be invested in this it's like no we need to figure out how to get everybody out of this again go go back to where it was where we don't have hardly anybody voting and we don't want people caring about voting that's that's what there's your answer why does meadows not want to cooperate why do they not want to give up their you know whatever this is this is a real investigation and this is a serious thing what are you hiding like you know the answer has to be that there are some terrible things that you guys are all are hiding and this is all wrong and this is all bad it's not indifferent it's Bad and you, you. This is the proof by just by not wanting to be part of that. So
1: there, yeah, and there's on. a lot. To, there's a lot to unpack there. I want. I want to start first of all. Um, I. 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 I think that's true. I, I think that there are moments, um, like just to pull the curtain back. You. You and I are getting ready to uh, tape a, a podcast talking about a, a certain movie that I'm really really excited for people to hear this podcast and the conversation we're about to have. Uh, that's about a moment of complacency in America, right? Where you're not worried that much about politics. You're not worried that much about being involved. And, you know, a lot of people look back on time periods like that and they're like, oh, those were the good days. You know what I mean? But meanwhile, there's still widespread suffering. There's still a lot of bad problems. And then occasionally there are moments and I, I, I always talk about this, um, whether it's, you know, just in conversations or with students and stuff, I always talk about the, the moment that you're driving and you're driving for hours and hours and hours and the road starts to hypnotize you a little bit mm-hmm. and you kind of forget that you're driving. Do you know what I mean? Like you get in your head, you're listening to music, uh, a, a, you know, an audiobook or whatever. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, my God, I'm behind the wheel of a car. Oh, shit. You know, and you're like, I could do anything that I wanted right now. I could go off the road. I could do whatever. But the truth is that you're always in that situation in your life. Life is perilous. Things happen, you know, like the fact that, you know, things aren't happening right now is we we should consider ourselves lucky, but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't consider the possibilities. In this case, we came very close to a coup. We actually did. And and the fact that we talked about that was not based in us being wild eyed. It was simply actually paying attention to what was being said. Trump didn't hide any of this. Every speech that Trump made before the election and after the election laid the rhetorical foundation for this. There is – they're going to steal it. They're going to steal it. Oh, I bet China going to help steal it. Oh, blah, blah, blah. He, he laid it all out there. The Republican – and by the way, the Republican Party was on messaging. Together with that, they had decided at the party level that that was what they were going to sell people, which was going to lay the foundation for the possibility of challenging an election. We now know where we're going in 2022 and 2024. They're going to try and rig the systems to where they will be able to disenfranchise people or they'll have a failsafe where they could possibly override people's ability to vote. This isn't a matter of looking for shadows where there aren't shadows it's looking into the dark and trying to see what's there it's it's a very obvious situation and all of this information it really should have people up in arms it really should we 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 should be living in a country right now that is just like you know get to the bottom of this shit or else like this is this is like priority number one so we can move forward But it's it's just we're, we're not gonna do it. We're gonna slip back into complacency,
0: right? Well, you know, this is kind of like uh, the, the, there are movies out there that had like maybe a big reveal at the end. Then you get to go watch it again, but go back and watch it and see all the little clues. And oh my God, I can't believe I missed all that. Well, guess what? This wasn't that movie. Those no. clues were not clues, those were big, fat close ups. It was not subtext. <laughs> no, this is not like, you know, on the on a door, you know, a name on a door in the background that's a little bit out of focus, whatever. No, this is, uh, this is, uh, was right in your face the entire time. So that's, people that's, people had
1: to choose not to see it.
0: Right. But people but they but they'll have that reaction sometimes like, you know, the the people like Stuart Stevens, I have to imagine when they got out of their fog of being a right right wing, um, you know, uh, sycophant or whatever they were, uh, you know, he must have had reflection later and be like, oh, my God, I can't believe like, look at that. But we were like, yeah, that was happening. And we all knew that then except for you. Um, you know, it's like when you fall in love with a woman who's t- or a man or whatever who's terrible and no one wants to tell you how bad, you know, because you're so in love, whatever, and then you realize later, oh, my God, what happened? What was I thinking? Um, we, need, we need that slap in the face. And they need to figure this out a lot quicker because otherwise, right, the, the, the court of public opinion is probably as important as any of this stuff. And if we can't get that swayed, even with all this undeniable evidence that's coming out. And, I, yeah, we, you and I both know this PowerPoint thing. That's a walk in the park. Uh, yep. A month from now, we are going to be talking about direct communications between these people uh, that implicates everybody. I, I can almost guarantee that that's going to come out, and uh, and and we won't even be thinking on this PowerPoint thing. That that is the question: Is that going to be the, the the final straw here for enough people, then that we can keep this republic intact? I don't know,
1: man. I I wish it was there's a there's a strange feeling and i don't know if you get it but as as you know we've been on this trail we've dedicated so much of our time and so much of our lives just to talking about this explaining it getting in deep in it and and just really figuring out what has happened where it's come from and where it's going like this stuff comes out and at some point like you're just like yeah of, of, of course there was a PowerPoint circulating among Republican leadership on how to carry out a coup and and doing a, you know this this national emergency thing and you're not even surprised by it like you'll notice if if you've if you've listened this long in the podcast this has not been a surprise podcast. This isn't you and me being like, oh my god, can you believe it? Nobody in our audience who listens is surprised by this. It's simply, you know, it for me. I, I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast. I'm very nearsighted. I, I like I, I I'm, I'm without glasses or contacts. Like I, it's blurry, like you wouldn't believe. You know what I mean? <laughs> this is simply being able to see the blur ahead of you and know what it is. And then you put the glasses on, and you're like, yeah, that's what I thought it was. Yeah, okay. Now it's now it's in in much more dazzling clarity. Because none of this was hidden. None of this was unpredictable. We know we knew who these people were. We listened to them. We took them out at their words. We did not engage in willful delusion. We did not believe in American exceptionalism that would keep this stuff from happening. We didn't believe that it was a wild-eyed alarmist thing to think that these crooks and assholes would try and carry this out. We knew who they were. We looked at the facts. We did not engage in willful delusion. So it's not, it's not surprising. And you're exactly right. There's undoubtedly going to be, be more. All right, everybody. So we are going to be back. A reminder, December 16th, 7 p.m. Eastern. The official Muckrake podcast holiday get-together, Bonanza, Jamboree, and Petting Zoo. Uh, we we look forward to this. Uh, it's always a good time right before uh, the year ends to get together, to appreciate each other, celebrate the wins, have a few laughs, uh, watch Nick eat something that he originally thought was disgusting, but find out that it's really, really delicious. Last time, it was a Reese's peanut butter cup. Incredible. He really thought Reese's Peanut Butter Cup was going to be disgusting. And uh, have you eaten those since, by the way? I think I might have had one since then and enjoyed it. Just just one? So you've doubled the yeah. amount that you've had yeah, in your life? Maybe okay well so again that is thursday december 16th at 7 p.m eastern all you got to do to get in on the fun is go over to patreon.com slash podcast you'll be able to go you'll be able to watch us tape this live you'll be able to interact with other fans of the show we're so grateful for the community we want you to join patreon.com slash podcast if you need us before then you can find nick at can you hear me smh you can find me at jy sexton be safe everyone